Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbusero, joined by former USMLR Coach of the Year, Rob Hoadley, and the most capped USA Rugby Eagle in history, Todd Clever. This is the MLR Breakdown. This is where we analyze all the results, preview all the action, and just talk about the news and sort of newsworthy topics that are going on in the MLR landscape. Lads, it was a pretty noteworthy weekend. Uh, welcome. Yes, absolutely. Noteworthy indeed. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And uh, they actually got some entertaining rugby, um, put their kids to the sideline and, and definitely grabbed themselves the ghillies and was tuned in with entertainment uh, rugby from top to bottom. Hodes, what were your thoughts over the weekend? Yeah, it just hooks up week after week, doesn't it? Obviously in the West, you've got LA with a fantastic away win, uh, Utah ditto, unbelievable to keep up the heat at the top. Uh, and then Austin to stay in behind, what do they do? Another great away win, five points for Austin. Uh, so the West absolutely firing with those top three over in the East. ATL done a number again, just uh, probably uh, stretching themselves away. Nola back in the race after Rooney missed out. And uh, Utah, what can you say? Utah, this, I, I think Utah are slipping because it was, it was the 78th minute. Or they're getting better, maybe. Because normally it's the 81st or 83rd. So I think they're improving because they scored their winning try in the 78th minute. So I, I think out for them. I think they're giving their their fans and their coaches and management, uh, you know, a heart attack week after week. So they wanted to ease it, you know, didn't want yeah. the clock to go all the way into the red. Yeah, so, they... so calm, so calm at 28, 78 for them. No, I should have, I should have wished you both fathers happy Father's Day. Uh, fantastic for you both. Congratulations. But yeah, Rob, I think is it time, lads, that we can start? We've already been muttering earlier in the year, East Coast, Beast Coast. But what about West Coast, Best Coast? It's starting to cook on the West. There were some cracking games. Austin are putting it, you know, getting a bonus point win. Same as Utah getting that win on the road with their selection. Unbelievable. And then the San Diego LA game, obviously we're going to get into that. But what what a spectacle for MLR with a crowd, with a derby game. Absolutely loved it. Um, was obviously pitch side for it as well. It was fantastic. But on a whole, MLR is cooking up and that run into the playoffs is going to be so exciting. Without a doubt. You know, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the MLR, but I want to ask a personal question. Corbs, you said that you're on the sideline. How was the atmosphere on the sideline? How was the post game how was this morning tell us all about well, your feelings I'm just washing down yesterday's hangover with a couple uh, a couple more sips of my gilly right now just to sort of clear the head but yesterday was phenomenal lads um obviously you know some late changes uh to the guillotine's roster just before uh kickoff where you saw you know maybe a side that you sort of would have favored San Diego on paper going into that game and then the boys turned up and fronted up and, and there was areas of that game that need to improve going on and they were put under pressure. But the, the, the team camaraderie, 
the, the ability to dig in, um, just the gutsy performance and the way some, some of the depth of the team really stood up in a game that meant something to both sides was phenomenal to see. And, and, and just man, the roller coaster of the game, up and down emotions was killing me on the sideline. You never felt like you could, you could breathe for a second and think it was over until that final whistle. Uh, absolute drama at the end and, and almost had a shocker uh, with, with sort of managing and closing it out. But they managed to get the thing and then... On to the time afters. Uh, I think everyone by now has probably seen it on Rugby Pass, me rapping with the lads in the change room, uh, a few beers, uh, and then it was off to Ballast Point to, uh, to drink the Legion, Legion Lager dry uh, at the brewery afterwards with the lads. And uh, pretty fortunate as well that Gilly uh, was actually there as well. And uh, what a way to, 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 for the boys to turn up and play and him be there and get the win. And then, you know, him to treat them to some beers, some pizza and a, and a fun bus ride back as well. It's probably all I, I should say. Yeah, just do you want to uh, talk any more? You say that's all you should say. But about the influence that Adam Gilchrist has had on the team and obviously, you know, it's a, you know, incredibly happy camp. And I think you're all really uh, enjoying being part of L.A., um, playing great rugby, working hard and then really enjoying each other's company afterwards. Uh, absolutely. I think it's it's. It's moments like after that game where you really see how special an environment and a culture you're creating with the the relationships, the camaraderie, the energy, the vibe of the team. Like it was really special because there was a lot of nerves, a lot of graft going in, a lot of uncertainty. And just to see the boys come together in the firefight and actually then to see them enjoy it afterwards, it was powerful. To have Adam Gilchrist at this team as someone, you know, behind the curtain, like, the ability to have off-field resources, the support staff, everything that goes around these players is amazing. The ability to, you know, treat them right and, and build relationships and have guys really buy into a club that they look after is amazing. And then just the way he spoke to lads as well. I think the thing that was most powerful as he said, lads, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he basically said that I love rugby. I love, I love having this team and I just want everyone to enjoy it and love it and have a great time. And I just thought, you know, what a way to, to speak to the lads. That's exactly what I think um, is starting to be created. There's something special, a long way to go in the season and you can't look ahead of anyone because it's close. Teams are, you know, Utah keep winning, Atlanta keep winning, New York are, are right up there. Like, Gilgronies are keep winning. Like you can't sleep on it and you can never say, oh, you know, complacency. But I just think you also have to have perspective and take a sec a second to enjoy moments and, and also realize when you are on the road to building something special. Yeah, well, you are creating something special on the pitch and it definitely looks like you're enjoying it off the pitch as well. So I think that's uh, that's how rugby should be enjoyed. Uh, and again, it's not just putting the money in, it's creating the whole environment, you know, where people can su succeed. And we'll talk about the games a bit more, Todd, but like uh, the coaching job there as well possibly sometimes gets overlooked uh, because you have got the resources. But you're bringing in guys like Adam Channel from uh, Belmont Shore, uh, guys that you know you barely probably only met that week. And to pull out a defensive performance like that as well against a you know a high octane Legion attack, we'll dig more into the games. But but that speaks volumes to the coaching environment that you guys have created as well. It's, it's a whole team effort, you know, alongside, and, and I hope every MLR team could have that relationship with their Belmont Shores, or if it's Austin Blacks, or Austin Huns if you're out in Austin, or if it's uh, New York Athletic Club if, you, if, you're, if you're Rooney. Those are the sort of things. It's a long season. We talked about on podcast number one that they had a short preseason. There's going to be injuries. 
the depth is going to be challenged. And now that you're looking at it, last three, four weeks, LA has probably been hit the hardest. But the relations that they've had with the clubs of having an open door, you know, policy of the coaches going out there, the players going out there, having, uh, you know, a revolving door in and out uh, of it. So people are able to know the systems. Yeah, they're getting to know it, know each other uh, briefly, very on a short term. But that's uh, that, that's just a commitment of of the foundation that's being laid that every club across for a brand new team to come out on year one to, you know, ask a team like Belmont Shore or Ombak or something that's been here for, you know, 30 plus years and have that open response of being like, yep, we have players, we can do this. And I'll tell you what, you know, Belmont Shore is, is, is they, they bring dozens and hundreds of people to each of the games. So it, 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 it's such a great relationship. No, it's really um, fantastic. I think when you look at a year one, team in the MLR and you Rob you'll know this better than anyone the hardest thing is trying to build depth and and build fight unearthing homegrown talent finding diamonds in the rough building relationships and finding some form of depth and I think this was a real win for the Giltinis when you look at some of the guys who came in who fronted up finding these relationships like they have with Belmont bringing them in but also comparing also the the, the Colorado crossovers and the way they've been able to benefit from th the relationship there and some of those players come in who are really starting to excel in the environment and you can see improvements on on them week on week week on week like it's really exciting and i think you know every mlr team is looking to develop as many homegrown players or players in the area as possible because this is as long this is the longest season we had and potentially it could even just get longer in the future so having more and more depth is going to be very very important and that was a real positive sign for something from the guillotinis because we hadn't really seen a position where they needed to do that before. But I'd also probably say, you know, if you'd look six, eight weeks back, they might have not been able to do what they did today. And that's just a sign of the environment improving and what's being built there. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, but you can tell me, but behind the scenes, I would have say, you know, probably you with your links to UCLA, Kevin Battle and Areni, having been in the American rugby environment, are probably a great resource to the great coaches, obviously DC and Stephen Halls that come in, but you need that American knowledge as well. So, you know, again, we've talked about it before, but having the, the fantastic top-end product is going to attract everyone else, that, 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 you know, because they're secure in the fact that it's a great product we want to be involved not you know in the past it's almost been sort of used and abused players bring them out shove them shove them away but now we've got a great feeder system so it's great to see the marriage between the two the top end stuff the foreigners the internationals uh, and then the pathway now for the young kids so you know that's away from the glitz and the glamour that's the hard work that goes into it you know and that, that's why it's been such a phenomenal coaching job i think in year one there And now a word from our sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Round 14, Father's Day weekend of the MLR breakdown. Let's talk about New York hosting Utah. I mean, there's no way Utah could go across country and pull out another victory against a good New York team, but they sure did. 70, 
in the 70-odd minute, they came away with the last try. Uh, great vision, good everything. Pulled away an amazing uh, upset in, in a lot of people's eyes, but uh, Utah's definitely uh, the real deal. Hodley, what were your thoughts on this game? Well, it's an upset in a lot of people eye, people's eyes, but not Corvus. I think you called this one, didn't you? Uh, that, Hodes, mate, thank you for the credit. The only guy who's, who's called Utah the the only guy who's called Utah the last two weeks. I would like to matter where yeah. they've won big games. Yeah. Um, and, honestly, what a win! What a win, mate. The, the, I think I think the first talking point is the confidence, the decision, whatever it was, to to send out a a, a side with was it ten changes or however many changes they made, like an incredibly changed side, big players on the bench. You know, the question marks were: Are they just going to write this game off for this week and and just you know regroup for the home games? But no, 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 no. They actually backed their depth backed guys to come in and start. And, you know, I was thinking about this afterwards, a bit of stroke of genius, that maybe everyone on the West Coast has traveled to the East and flopped. Maybe rotating in the freshness for the trip is is something to consider in future moves because it seemed to work for them. And then they had their big guns at the end to win the game. It was sensational. It was genius. Like, I... I, I... You know, the proof is in the pudding. I, I mean, I saw the team sheet and I wonder if New York did as well. Uh, and New York thought, well, you know, we've got this. Uh, you know, the big guns are on the bench. Some of them aren't even travelling. Um, and they got they got more than they bargained for. New York started so well, didn't they, with uh, the four-man line out. Uh, they play a switch. Uh, the, the, the playmaker, Tawaki, uh, puts Takabalavu away. Um, and you thought, well, you know, they could be off to a canter here. But the, the reality was Tuwaki was a better playmaker than he was a scrummager in the first half because Mullen and Khalifi had their number in the scrum early. Um, if you look at the Utah tries, it was a Malholo uh, sort of power pick and go, but it came after a, a, a scrum penalty gave them that position. Then Khalifi scores his own uh, scrum try, which I think uh, Tuwaki actually fell off the tackle for that as well, but it came from an earlier scrum pen. So, like, fair play. Utah really stood up and brought the physicality on the road. I, I think this is obviously very impressive. I think when you look at Rooney, um, some mitigating circumstances, no Harry Ellis, no Hollingshead, you know, we, they'd always had at least one or the other sort of in a lot of those games. So I think it's one of the first times we've seen them, other than when they lost at home quite significantly to Toronto, where they'd not had like one of their rocks at nine and 10. And you could see that a little bit in a clutch game because it was very much back and forth. We score, you score. We score, you score. No one quite had full control on, on the game. I think the physicality of Utah and 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 the, the explosiveness and the carries, you know, especially when they got down there with good set piece, scrum pressure, the mall, you know, it, it, they are a hard team to stop when they get rolling, especially on turf, because I do believe turf just allows teams that are explosive to, to gain momentum very quickly. It's what Saracens have done traditionally on that turf at home with the Vunapolas and those big boys is you can really roll teams once you get a move on in the 22 it's very hard to recover that momentum once they get going. Yeah, and, and they did lose Rochford and force it in the first half. Yeah. But it's not like they were winning the scrums when they were on, right? Mm -hmm. So they lost there. McManus had, did, did step up, you know, for Ellis. He actually had a lovely little snipe and created a try for, um, I think it was Bennett backing up. Yeah. Yeah, Marty Veal's got to be pulling his hair out, lads, though, because if you look at the, the line-out drive, the two-of-hour try... It's too easy. Like it's this, the defense is horrendous there on the line. The, you score from a tap penalty. I tell you, the worst thing, the biggest coach killer in the game, 
is a slow, quick tap. That wasn't a quick tap, it was a slow, quick tap. And they still didn't get in position. Mikey takes it, Mikey Teo takes it. Uh, he finds Lucia out in the corner. But that is an absolute coach killer. And then the short side try at the end, 78 minutes. It's a great try. They drove it about 15 minutes. And Christensen, the young scrum half, who's got a job in, on his hands in the next couple of weeks, because obviously Basker and Hurst are away with USA and Canada. So it's great for him to get t game time. And he finishes the game off finding Cruze on the short side. But, I mean, you're pulling your hair out at conceding those tries. And some of the missed tackles for New York, they just they weren't at the races. And I, You look at games like that, you see the team sheet, they gave away 19 penalties as well. And sometimes you're just slightly off mentally uh, and it comes back to, to bite you in the bum. But uh, that wasn't the sort of performance that, that we're used to seeing from uh, from New York. No, mate. And I think you're spot on. I think a great way to, to blood some depth for Utah and guys who are going to have to play when, when six internationals go away was fantastic there. And then the last thing is, off that Cruze try, when you look at it, when you look at the mall that they get going, I just think Brakely already gave the pen away. He's got to kill that ball. If you kill that ball, you maybe live to fight another day. Do you know what I mean? But once you let it, you give away the pen. I was yelling, I was, I was yelling at the screen yeah. watching uh, the rugby network, and I'm just like, arms are already out. You've just, already committed you know, the crime. You might as well kill, kill it, it fam. Let it go any further. Um, I mean, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, and I think any savvy, I just, you know, Nate Brakely, great player. Very, very nice guy. You can't be a nice guy there. You can't follow the rules. No. Like, you gotta be horrible break. like Todd. Yeah. <laughs> you needed to kill it and then get up when the pen or the yellow card or whatever was given and just look like, what, I did something wrong? Like that is the, the theatrics that was needed there. But it's too nice. And, and I thought it let, um, it, it let, it let it, well, let Utah off the hook because they would have had to go again and still find a way to score. But anyway, a cracking win for, for Utah. And onwards yeah. they roll in the West and really keeping pressure on LA and, and the Gilgronies yeah. as well. Isn't it mad though, Utah, with 12 games in or 13 games in for Utah, 12 games in for LA, they're only four points behind LA. Can you imagine, you know, the way LA start the season and they're going away and they're tearing it up. Utah have been incredibly consistent and obviously consistent in the last few minutes. But that's a hell of an achievement. They, they have played one game less. I was going to uh, say, sorry, game more, in hand. A game be, in hand. A game in hand, but still, you know, Point taken. Do, lose a game in hand, whatever it is. To be four points, that's absolute class. And we talk about sort of uh, the, the, the standings and who they played and, and everything else. I mean, it's a mirror. It's an absolute mirror of wins and losses to Austin. And it just shows you what kind of wins that are coming and what kind of close losses that, that they've had. They have five more bonus points yeah. than, than Austin. And that is the difference. Mm -hmm. Same same amount of wins, same amount of losses, but those bonus points that uh, that they're racking up is definitely uh, is definitely the game changer. Yeah, it's interesting because we talked right at the start of the pod, maybe the first three, four weeks, we're talking about how do you build an MLR team? What What is going to be your plan? And obviously... Starting from defence is a great way to start because actually it kind of reflects your culture, it re re reflects your values, re reflects your work ethic. And it's probably the simplest thing to put in really, a defence and a kicking game, you know, if you're smart about it. It's probably harder to score four tries, but you need a lot of bonus points. It, you know, it's a known thing in MLR, teams do score four tries, the defences aren't so good. So having that approach has 
got Utah five extra points and a whole extra bonus point win away from the same amount of wins. So it's incredible to see from them. Uh, however, it still remains to be seen what style works in playoff rugby where generally defence and kicking game comes more into it. But uh, but hang on, if you'd have watched the Bristol Quinns game in the uh, Premiership semis, maybe maybe that's uh, going to be turned on its head. <laughs> exactly. Talk about turning on its head. But I mean, what a win for Utah. Congrats to those boys. And uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, New York will be back uh, lipping, licking their wounds and, and come back stronger than ever uh, because they're, they're still in the fight for it. And uh, what a game. Toronto hosting NOLA in Atlanta, a wet Atlanta. And uh, it was a doubleheader. It was the first game with a doubleheader before uh, uh, Rugby ATL took on. And uh, I don't think this uh, scoreline was, uh, was a bit of a surprise, with the conditions and the result holy uh any surprise there or anything to add on that no it's the sort of uh weekly um get your win against toronto really unfortunately they scored their customary great try where they went through like 20 phases and will kelly puts in a lovely grubber in the second half uh lesage got a charge down kick but they look a little bit blunt in attack to be honest nola defended really well made a lot of tackles i think 132 tackles and six misses Oh, that's unbelievable uh, uh, for for a, a game stats to miss only six of that many. Obviously, it helps in the in the wet conditions. Um, but Nola, I mean, the boy Dominguez, you can't take your eyes off him, can you? What a try that was! He's unstoppable. Five defenders beaten, I think. He's unbelievable, isn't he? He's, he's some shape. He's he's long. It reminds me of like uh, Tom Vandell. You get near him, he's so quick. But then you get he's he's got long fend. And he's just so powerful, he gets yeah. rid of people. His bump um, is pretty impressive so, for a winger, I think. The way he, he can also fend, step, but then has a bump to break the tackle too. He is the perfect winger to run back a poor kick. Like, And, and that's what Toronto gave him on that try, was just a layup with a, a decent run back into... Uh, the Toronto half, and then he, you know, exposes one-on-one matchups and 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 makes the most of it. Yeah, and then obviously in the second half they close out Dolan just with a smart play. He's very good at that sneaky pick through the middle. Dolan, if you leave, if you vacate that area, he's so sharp. He's got the vision. You know, he's done it to he's done it to Legion in the past, and you, you just can't take your eyes off him either in that uh, in that tight area. But they were they were smart about how they did it, and then they closed it out. Damian Stevens with a couple of penalties just to take it away from. Uh, Toronto. Uh, they could have had another one actually. Guerrero was held up or, or called for a double movement over the line. Um, but for Nola, it's just another. It's just another brilliant win, and they're hanging around. They're only what three points uh, away from Rooney now. Every week you kind of think maybe they're counted out. They've got the away games. They've got injuries. Their playmakers are out. You know they're, they're pushing Carl Rogers into ten during the warm up, and they just keep coming up with the goods. It's it's uh, it's very impressive from them as well. Because um, they're 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 right up in the fight now, even though they've got this tough uh, away um, string of games. Uh, absolutely, I think we talked about the, the the worry was their six road games to finish the road, and that's why we kind of wrote them off a little bit. But the fact they're two and zero on the road of those six, like you never know, lads. Like obviously, it doesn't look like the top two are going to slip up or go anywhere. But obviously, that's a blip with Rooney. But on a whole, they will just keep chipping away, and I'm sure with the free jacks, and that will keep. That sort of race on the East, very interesting. But on Toronto, 
it is kind of tough and sad now watching like the slow death of the arrows as such you know like they've put so much fight into this year there's still so much stuff that's good about every game when they're on the field there's things to pick out but just the ability to like keep it up for 80 minutes and just rally like you you are watching a weary group of of soldiers as much sort of trunging on with as best they can yeah, and obviously they're going to lose their Canada internationals as well. And ultimately, lads, we just want to watch people enjoying their rugby. Mm. Like, we're so privileged to be in the position to, to do rugby day to day. But we've all been in scenarios where it becomes a chore and it's not that enjoyable, you know, uh, for whatever situation. You watch the joy of LA winning the game. You watch the joy of um, NOLA, of Utah at the weekend, pulling off those wins. It can't be every team every week, but you, you do feel sorry for such a good group of men there at uh, Toronto. They, they've definitely been uh, been dealt a, a tough hand this whole season, you know, with with the COVID and and, and being away from the home, um, and and they're getting they 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 have some. I mean, look at that win against they had, you know, many weeks ago against New York and in New York, and you just kind of hope that they have uh, are able to string more performances like that. And I mean, again, Enola is a good team, but you know they, they weren't too far off. Uh, you know, it was just one of those cheeky uh, tries that, that Dolan scored. It was was basically the difference of it. If they if they're able to sharpen things up, uh, you know, maybe the the luck will change. Yeah, tough. I think they're looking forward to uh, getting to the beach, getting a few pina coladas. On the second match of the double header in Atlanta in Marietta at Life University, we had Atlanta hosting Houston. Not much surprise here, Atlanta. 33 Houston 15 uh you know an, another tough one for uh, for Houston and Atlanta you know we're, it was it was wet it was uh, it was messy but uh you know Atlanta was never going to lose that game Corbs what you got on that Honestly, I know it was no surprise the result, but if you actually watch the competitiveness of the game, there was a lot of surprise that Houston were able to hang around for as long as they did in that game. And I think they showed against Atlanta with some changes in their team and, and, and the depth off the bench as well. But I think if you're able to sort of hang with them at set piece and you kick well, which I thought Windsor, Povey, a few guys, like they they did have a decent result with the kicking game against Atlanta. You can kind of drag it into an arm wrestle and they were chipping away at pens and staying in the game. But then to me, it was the impact of the bench that Atlanta had. It just raised a little bit of the intensity in their set piece. So they started to get the rewards from a lot of their driving mall attempts in the 22. And it just became too much for Houston. They didn't have another gear to take it somewhere when I felt like Atlanta, um, you know, rose the intensity off the bench. And and, and it was tough to see because they were kind of in that fight for 60 odd minutes. Uh, Sam Windsor's boot, you know, a lot of kicks uh, up in the air, keeping Atlanta in their half, getting the ball back at times and kind of exposes to me a blueprint of how to play certain teams that want to play that that style of rugby is to keep them in their own half. And then there's not that much risk of actually being annihilated by by like making mistakes and, and feeding their game plan. Yeah. And, and I mean, in those conditions as well, and, you know, I thought they did well. And like you said, that first bit, I mean, you look at the halftime score, 12-12. They were fully into it coming out. You know, you, you, you wish, and the same thing as like a Toronto, you know, the bottom scenes, you want to have competitive uh, rugby matches, you know, through and through. But, uh, you know, like you said, that depth. Holy, what were your thoughts and takes on that one? Well, like you said, it's how were Houston in it? Because they didn't do exactly what Atlanta want them to do in attack. We've mentioned this before. 
So instead of running it and going wide and going into the jaws of the defence, look, I don't want to oversimplify the game of rugby, right? But here's an oversimplification of the game of rugby. So I'm going to do what I'm saying I'm not. Kick bombs on Atlanta. Like, so in the first half, Waitokia drops a bomb. Uh, they put pressure, so Colsey kicks straight out into touch. Escura kicks straight out in touch because they're, they're doing things they don't want to do in their own 22. Van Voot drops a bomb uh, and uh, Houston misses a try chance. Uh, in the second half, there's a cross kick. Colsey's turned over and a penalty is forced. Uh, they bomb on Cowley. He drops it. I think Cowley then kicks one straight out under pressure. A young fella. Of course, an oversimplification. And we want to play exciting rugby. But you have to play what's in front of you. And again, playing premiership rugby back in the day, it's a battle between the 10-metre lines, who comes out of the 10-metre lines with territorial advantage and can put, especially in these wet conditions. Whoever gets bored in the 10-metre lines and tries to overplay at the wrong time and turns the ball over or concedes a penalty, you lose the game. And I know it's boring, and I know it's frustrating, and I know it's not what we want to see. We want to run from everywhere. But... If you do this and you put kick pressure on them and you turn them and you force them, you trap them high and pressure their exits, they may have to then change what they do in the front line. But if you keep doing exactly what they want to do and let them come up with their hard front line, you're not going to get the results you want. Now, of course, there are different ways to manipulate them in the front line and beat them there. But this is the first time we've seen a concerted effort of a team probably because they felt they had no other option because their attack's not very good anyway, so they thought they'll put it up. But it's the first time we've conceded concerted effort and it disrupted ATL. Now, the weather plays into it and, and, and a, lot, a lot of different things, um, but I think you've got to mix the, the game up against them. And then the other noteworthy things were like Boyson's uh, cover tackles. I think Boyson made two ridiculous uh, try-saving tackles. gassing people. Oh, Waitoki would have scored one of the tries of the season. Uh he must be gutted. And, and then was it Van Voot looked like he was running in like quicksand or something with an, a, a man twice the size of him gain, like, gaining yeah, ground on him? Yeah, the seat back. I hope Van Voot's all right because he yeah. actually went off in that tackle with his ankle. Mm. And again, he's the captain. He's the leader in the backfield. So then they bring a youngster on. They bring a youngster on. Let's test him in the air and put some pressure on, see if he, they can still play their game plan. You know, you know how it's, uh, you know, I mostly tell young coaches, um, aspiring coaches and, and, and seasoned coaches to watch this uh, podcast because of the insight that you have. Uh, <laughs> don't I watch this episode. You <laughs> know, I hope that you not listen to this episode because we don't want your English premier style <laughs> rugby of kicking and pressure. We want hard Americans running at the line, challenging and scoring tries from all over. So, Mate, you know, well, I, I feel so bad. I hope, I hope uh, you don't, you don't listen to him, you know, listen to me. No, no. My, my school coach, I still talk to my high school coach and get some tips off him. He's a legend. He wouldn't let us kick at all at school. He was just like, if you're under your uh, try line, you run. That's just what we do. I, I, I hate these modern ways of kicking. I mean, look, it would have maybe benefited my career if I'd come out of school and been able to kick the ball. When we were training at Wasps, when everyone was kicking, Sean said, no, mate, no, don't, no, it's not for you. It's not for you. Go over there and practice your, your ball presentation. You, you can't kick. 
He wouldn't even let me in the drills. Yeah, he'll be spitting his gillies out here and me talk about kicking like that. But I think, you know, you've got to be pragmatic and it will help you then find space in the front line if you can if you can have a combination of both. All right. That okay. is that is chapter. Can I get away with that one? That is chapter sorry, in verse <laughs> from 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 Hoadley speaking the rugby gospel as as I, I, I honestly have played against teams that are elite at that game plan and what Rob is saying is really the only way to beat them. And so as much oh. as it can be boring, it's their fault for causing the game to be that way, not you for playing it that way. And just watch, if two or three teams do it to them in a row, they start to then change to how they play and it opens the game up more. So yeah, obviously looking around the league at how to break a good defence down. You were talking about the kicking game against Atlanta. But one great example is the, the LA game against Legion, where they have, I think it was a scrum, on their own 10 meter line they go all the way wide drag legion wide then come all the way wide again and they're stretching the defense making the move making them make decisions and then bryce uses his footwork to to make the break down the middle so again it's not all, all about kicking you can stretch them on the front line as well but it's mixing the game up and that was a great example by la and it's something they may try to do to atlanta as well stretch them wide from the first phase where it's harder to have line speed and then stretch them again wide where they'll be running into the front row that are getting up from the scrum uh, with some uh, footwork backs. Uh, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on for uh, LA against these tight defences. Look, the thing is, I, I say all this and then I watch Bristol Queens and I'm like, run from everywhere. <laughs> that's the answer. Just be brilliant. <laughs> but obviously it depends, depends on your tools, depends on what the opposition are doing. Uh, look, you can go from deep, you can have success, but you've got to be really, really sharp against a good defence. I like my rugby balance like I like my life, you know, you know, a couple glasses of water, a couple of gillies, you know, sit by the pool. I thought you were going to say red stuff. wine and gillies, gillies and red wine, <laughs> tequila and gillies, gillies and vodka. Hey, people think I have a problem. <laughs> All right. What a game again. And uh, let's move on. <laughs> week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. LA versus San Diego for the Cali Cup. LA made the road trip down the Pacific Coast Highway and uh, were met by the Legion fan at Toronto Stadium. What an atmosphere that they had. Alex, I'm sure we'll touch more on to that. But uh, you know what? They came against a team that was ready for them. And, uh, you know, San Diego went up 10-0. But uh, it definitely was not enough to, uh, to, to secure that win. Giltinis came away with a 19-13 victory. Corbs, I know you're a sideline. I know you were there. I know you're pumping it. I know you're a little sore head right now, but uh, talk to us, my man. It was a proper contest, I thought. I think it's two teams. Obviously, um, I thought, you know, Legion fully loaded is a really tough ask for anyone to take on. And I, I think the more that team has time together, that they're only going to get better and better at what they do. But from an LA point of view, I think it was uh, an outstanding resolve to just get the W. It wasn't pretty. Set piece at times, especially Scrum, was under pressure early. But, um, you know, some some fight back there at, at times in the game. 
But on a whole, it was the physicality of Legion and, and their ability to like held uh, LA out early, which was worrying me that LA had a lot of territory, a lot of possession, but weren't getting any of the points for it. And I, and I think Legion did a very good job of, of defending LA for large periods of the time. But what I think, you know, taking a little bit from what we just talked about, Rob, was the kicking game of LA, which was something that, you know, changed the game with Carty at 10 and the ability to keep San Diego in their half for most of the game really is an evolution of the game plan of LA. It was the perfect strategy. And, and on a different day where they make those goal kicks from the reward and the pressure they're having, they've chipped away at a score that probably reflects a game that isn't as close as the one we saw. But at the same time, credit Legion for the fight. Um, the physicality they showed in the 22 at times in attack and defense is always impressive. But I thought they got at times out, outdone at their own game. And, and and I think, you know, their backfield got exposed a few times. And with some of the changes that LA had and, and the different personnel and debuts on the wing, it only just fueled the fire of the enjoyment and the occasion of getting the W. And it was a pretty special historic victory in the history of LA. And, uh, you know, it closes the chapter on, on San Diego for this season, which I think from an LA point of view is a really good thing because if that team had made it to the playoffs with four or five more weeks, that's an even closer game on your hands and something now that they don't have to worry about and they can focus about the other teams in the West who, who they, you know, already previously beaten. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to pick up on there. Carty put three ridiculous kicks in the first oh. half to pin... Um, to pin Legion back, which was brilliant. The other thing you, you say is like um, Legion were defending well and it you know doing well and you know the commentators are like you know Legion are doing well. I mean ultimately, with all the changes, Legion should have won that game. Really going into the game, if you look at it on paper, it's the disruption. You've got eleven changes for LA. All un that's not a decision. They wouldn't have decided on any of those changes. And they've got guys on the bench. They've, they, you know, they're, they're shaking hands and saying hello to for the first time on the bus. But actually, if you look at the game, it was like 60% possession and territory in the first half. And you can say good job for holding out. But Legion's first try came from a penalty that wasn't a penalty because Adam Ashley Cooper took a ball on the ground. There was no ruck. He got done for off the feet. There was no, there was harsh, no ruck. That's harsh, almost, cool. uh, he was isolated. So that's not a that that wouldn't have led to a try. You missed 11 points at goal, so that would have been 23-3 just after half-time with 11, um, with 11 forced changes against the Legion team that stacked. Now, they did lose Ferno late and, um, and some other things. But I, I couldn't help, lads, have the impression watching the game. It was just in the first half tournament, we've been robbed of such a good rivalry here. For, you know, obviously the different reasons were Legion travelling in the early part of the season, not being able to compete at, at the Coliseum. And now for a different reason of LA being shorn of all their stars so late. This could have been such an unbelievable rivalry this year. I mean, it will be in years to come. Uh, it was a good game, but it, it wasn't quite what it could have been, you know? I, I mean, I think it's a foundation. I mean, that's what you look at. This whole year, we're just, I mean, you look at fans and you look at the players and you look back, it's like, you know what? The first few weeks before, it's like, is this season going to happen? Yeah. Are we going to have zero fans throughout the whole season? And, I mean, credit to the commissioner, George Kilbrew. Credit to the whole staff. Credit to every MLR team for making this season happen. I mean, it was it was a hair away from, you know, postponing it or having zero fans. Now everything that we have is a bonus. This game and this rivalry of, you know, for this Cali Cup. And, you know, again, I'm giving praises and credits to everything else. Adam Gilchrist, 
let's build a trophy and a good looking trophy, you know, for, you know, this Cali Cup. And you have something to play for. You have the fans there and playing for it. That's the foundation. Like you said, this is just the beginning of it. Year after year, it's going to build. It's going to build. And uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, all credit that goes around it to having a product for the San Diego fans being able to attend, uh, you know, to watch the Legion. Because, I mean, they, they were they, they're the ones who raised the bar, you know, going into this year, the year before, you know, of, of, of bringing players over, of investing in, you know, happiness uh, environment for the players, of, of having a good clubhouse and a good gym, um, to be in a great, you know, American city uh, and having a great product out there. You know, a couple curveballs, they just don't, you know, and things don't go their way. And you talk about, you know, sort of paper. They have it on paper. They have it on paper. But, you know, you you, you said about Utah against them. You say them against the Giltinis. Uh, sometimes just what you're playing for. And sometimes it's just a trophy. Sometimes it's for your owner. Sometimes it's for each other. And, uh, you know, uh, they're stacked against it. And uh, it's a great foundation. And, and I can't wait for that future of uh, that Cali Cup. Just following on for what Todd said, um, absolutely. I think you've got to credit San Diego just for the ability of all the work they've done in previous years too, that that fan base is still there. It, obviously, it wasn't Torero at its best fully packed, but considering they've had no games with any fans and then first game, you get a decent crowd and atmosphere like that. Very, very, you know, credit to them and credit the work and, and, the, and the brand that they've built in their area that they could come back with first game and still have that because there are a lot of MLR clubs that could not do that. And so I do think they deserve some, some real credit there. And it was a, a cracking atmosphere um, on a whole. And I just think for me, like we just talked about, that the rivalry is so early. Um, these two teams over the years are going to have some cracking head-to-heads. And imagine if they play each other in a playoffs, either leg at either team's ground. It, it just is mouth-watering stuff and great for the sport and great for MLR. Yeah, well, I mean, you think back to the final at Torero against Seattle, that atmosphere was incredible. Mm. There wasn't a spare seat. It was crackling. And that was like genuine rivalry. Like, we hate you, you hate us. And we all love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we just we just get get us out there. Let's get it on. And that could even be amplified, I think, over the years with this, and especially you know with being in bigger stadiums. I think we could fill big stadiums with rivalries like this uh, if both teams are up there. But uh, it seems like the mirage. There's been this mirage of like on the edge of the horizon. Legion are there. Legion are just there. And I think that storyline's obviously gone now, uh, which is which is obviously very sad. Um, for the Legion staff and players that have just put so much effort in in this crazy year. Um, so unfortunately, that storyline's probably been put to bed. You know, you know, we've joked about it. And Matt McCarthy made his great prediction, which I love guys going out on a limb and doing that, especially when I sit on the fence. But, um, you know, ultimately, they beat a poor uh, Toronto team. They beat a poor Houston team on their run. They did really well against NOLA. But when it came to the crunch... Unfortunately, against Utah in this game, uh, against the depleted LA, they didn't quite uh, have what it takes. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they finish off the season. Um, but uh, you, you've also got to mention old Billy Meeks in this game, haven't you? I'm telling you, centres love playing seven. Maybe just for, for one game. I told you, Corbs, before the game, I said he's going to kill you it. You did, you did. I was centers nervous. Love it. I'm not going to lie, I was like, nervous. You don't have to think. You don't have to think. You just go tearing into everything. It's just brilliant. So you're saying flankers don't have to think during games? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm saying that. Fuck, good thing. You just have to be. A, you just have to be a nutter. 
to play seven. Yeah. Just go tear around like a madman. Nah, Billy, it was, you know, it was, I thought it was a gutsy call from DC and, you know, fair play. He stuck to, stuck to the guns and Billy had a, had a great performance and it worked out. And I think just the way it allowed to then still have back row impact from, from uh, Pango as well, I think, who added a lot coming off the bench where if they hadn't had that and they just started him for 80 minutes, I, I think, you know, that was a really good um, call by the coaching staff and, and DC himself. And, and I do, I know you said it earlier in the pod, but... You really I take myself out of it. The scrum wasn't great anyway, but the coaching staff at LA have done a fantastic job with that group and they really do deserve a wrap. I thought the defense at times from LA against as physical yeah. it gets in uh, San Diego, I think Steve Hoyles and, and the Giltinis deserve a real clap for that as well as all their fancy attack. They showed that they can really front up in D as well. And, and, and I think that was... You know, to me, I didn't know if LA had that gear with with a team like San Diego running at them in their in their half in their twenty two. How would they respond? And they just kept getting up and knocking lumps back into them. And I thought it was it was great, and it made it an amazing contest. And when you look at how LA actually got their tries, you know, the first Ryberg try came from quite a lot of phases in the 22, eventually stretching Legion. Weren't quite getting the penetration that they wanted to off some of those carries until they got in that wide channel. Billy Meeks makes a break. Ryberg gets over for that try. You look at the other try they scored, Ryberg, you know, Joe Peterson, get out of the way. Uh, You know, you ain't stopping that freight train coming down there. It was lovely work from from Goddard off the mall to, to see that short side and expose that and then lastly Angus Cottrell as well you know deserves some love this guy is scoring tries for fun his second quick tap try loves a bit of footwork for the line and gets his way over and you know that was probably the difference is LA just finding ways to score tries uh, those clutch moments when they needed to and and crack on to that and lastly quick shout out you know there's always loads of shout outs in this pod for the one and the only Abby Gostaitis uh, making her pitch side reporter debut at Torero uh, I thought she did a fantastic job uh, I know she'll she'll you know set, be all cringing me saying that whatever as I'm a cheerleader for life on that team Gostaitis but uh, you know I thought it was great as well as a nice little icing on the cake for the day yeah great to see her input so like she was she was a real natural on the mic I think she can talk uh, you know on uh, an even footing, knowing the game so well with all the players, and it came across really well. I thought, you know, um, she added a lot to that game. And, you know, there's some people are going to merge here, you know, with great media careers, especially these uh, Olympians. Um, and I think, you know, she's got a great uh, future on that front, Corb. So I think that was awesome. Well done to Abby. Um, but first, let's let her win a gold, uh, you know, in Tokyo. And then, then she can do whatever she wants. Pick up where she <laughs> yeah. We will be cheering for her on that yeah. stud. Red carpet awesome. will be yeah, everywhere. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and then just just on the game as well, mate. I think um, you know, LA. You talk about the coaching job, and you talk talk about the great jobs that are being done. Utah, uh, Rooney, ATL. There's great coaching jobs being done. Uh, New England, around the league. Uh, obviously, Austin as well. But at the end of the day, lads, LA have the best attack and the best defence. And it's not you can't just plug in good players. Obviously, they, good players do make coaches look good as well. But they didn't have superstars on the bench yesterday, you know, and they made them look good. And they defended and they got away at the scrum even though they had lack of experience. So it's a huge job there. And then just, um, again, one last thing on Legion. I hope Rob Shaw's all right. Uh, I'm not sure he is, uh, but I wish him the best. It's terrible for him. It's terrible for the Legion. It's terrible for the league, you know, to miss miss out on such a superstar. But wish him the best. And one thing for them, you know, we said they slipped out. I come back to for them. 
We haven't mentioned it a lot because he's been out for a while, but you, you, you mentioned, Corbett, that Nate Orbsberger was doing some warm-ups on the field. He is a huge, huge cog in that machine. And you kind of almost think, even if he was in there for half the games, they'd be in contention. You know, And oh, Dylan Audley as well. People forget about Dylan Audley, you know. They're, they're, they're huge for Legion. So they'll oh, be back and they'll be back stronger. Absolutely. I mean, you know, leaders, both of them. You know, and and I, you know, I know Nate's uh, captain of the Eagles, captain Legion, knows people, and, and, and he's a little general. And, you know, just hopefully he gets uh, back fully, and I know he will, but uh, they, they could have definitely used him the last uh, handful of weekends. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a loyal guy. He's going to be around uh, MLR, uh, and, and I'm sure he's going to, you know, win lots of games for other team he plays for. Speaking of Nate as well, one of the things, uh, you know, he's such a, a team guy for Legion. He was doing all his rehab on the uh, on the pitch and, and it was as LA were getting out doing some of their warm-ups and stuff and I, had, I was like mate you got to turn around I, I know you're just out here scanning scanning to see what the guys are doing in the in the warm-up to report back to back to your boys and that's just uh, it was great to see him out there but he's just a team guy as well like you know I think they've missed him massively like even a game against us yeah. you're telling me his boot isn't going to help even up some of the kicking exchanges he's got a great box kick on him he knows their game plan in and out he knows their D he's a driver a stand I think there's a few guys that are off the field for Legion who are, you know, core guys to their squad, not big name signings who will be back and will offer a lot to that culture and that team. Yeah, and bring on the rivalry for next year. It's on, mate. Seattle hosting Austin. And uh, Austin came out on fire, scoring a few tries. It was 19-5 to at halftime. But Seattle came back, tied it up 19-19. to Um... And then uh, the rest is rest. Hose, what'd you got for me on this one? I've got 31-36, right, at the end of the game. But take it back to the first five minutes. What is Yamada doing? We're talking about coach killers for uh, Rooney. What is the boy doing? Goldman Asai. Goldman Asai. Is he... Um, did he think it was advantage? I, he, uh, you've got to think it's advantage thought, to throw that out of the bag. You've got advantage. to think. <laughs> because they got the turnover and it was so clean, there was no pen. So it basically, Shinji, I think I he, he didn't think yet, he didn't have advantage. He probably thought he did because it came from a breakdown turnover. Well, I hope he did because it was ridiculous. And then Rob, bang on what you're saying, 36, 31. Then take it to that kickoff where they've just scored and they allow that kickoff yeah. to come back and then dived on by Mooneyham. And it's like... Like, Seattle are so close to winning games. Like the last couple of weeks, they've been yeah. in it except for self-inflicted wounds is a difference for them being like three wins in these last three games and, and, and the difference to not. Like it's, it's, it's mental. It's, it's challenging. It's tough to see because you want them to do well. You want them to string in it. But I mean, that first try, it's just, you know, sort of brain dead stuff. And, and I'm not too sure uh, what it is. But then it was like, what awesome work to tie it up. And then that kickoff right away as you mentioned i mean it's just you're shooting yourself in the foot and it's just it's just tough to tough to watch well they win by nine without that it's crazy if you take those two out and again you can't say they're winning by nine because there's different flows of the game but uh yeah pretty crazy i don't think alan clark will be too happy about that but i'll tell you what he will be happy about the boy footy what a find so he came out of uh supposedly he came out of club uh rugby up there in seattle um american samoan 25 years old um, and 
yeah, he looks he looks sharp as you know. You've got he came in at the same time as your mother, a decorated international, uh, and he looks like the superstar at the moment. No, I, th- I thought he was good, and you know we talked about the self-inflicted wounds, but you know credit o- o- Austin as well. I think they their attack is is improving. They're scoring more tries consistently now. Uh, I think Marath at ten, and then um, putting Matt Mason to fifteen has worked quite well for them as well from from an attacking point of view. And they're just scoring tries from further out. There's still some question marks over their red zone at times, but I just think they're just asking more questions and 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 playing to bust. I think the try they scored. Um, from Roach was a lovely little 11 pattern. I like the way they used Ross and they dummied the nine wrap around. So you think the nine's going around, that draws the defender at the ruck to push across and through, and then they just bang. Uh, I think it was Mason uh, uh, through the uh, through the middle there who then offloaded to Roach. And it, it's a nice little play there. And they, they've scored off, I think, a 21 in other weeks as well. So their set piece platform and scoring tries is good. They're scoring from further out. They are improving and are going to get harder and harder to play come playoff time. Yeah, and uh, Seattle certainly paid them back for that five-man change direction because they did this. They did the same thing. They hit up Ferris, dragged out the uh, the one and two defenders, and they left Looty on the the, uh, the switch, Footy for the switch for for his third try. Um, and then nice to see Tommy Clark getting a try at the end. He got a pick and go try. So it's really important now in these last few games of the season for teams like Seattle and San Diego that we we're just talking about that, that are out of the run, how they develop the young players. We've talked about Noble, obviously, for the OGs. So Tommy Clark came out of AIC in the draft. Uh, a really promising young back row. So hopefully these young fellas are really going to get a lot of minutes as well now and, uh, and they can sort of develop for the start of next season. Just to finish off on that, it was classic Austin, as you said. They are more cutting edge. They got the five tries, but what was it? It was 67% possession and 57% territory for Seattle at half-time, but 13 handling errors versus three for Austin. And again, you know, Austin, don't make mistakes. They press you in defence to make you make those mistakes, Um, but now they're pouncing. And obviously now they've gone Toronto. Was it Toronto they played last week and scored 50 uh, now they've scored uh, 36. So no matter how the points are coming, it doesn't really matter. Their confidence must be sky high now. And, and they got obviously the big one against Legion uh, next week. A do or die for them. It is with the way Utah are going. Exactly. Uh, Utah has, has Houston next week. And that's, uh, you know, I'll go to your terminology on paper. Never going to happen, but we shall see. Let's call that five points for Utah, shall we? <laughs> yeah. And that's a wrap-up for round 14 MLR review. Now let's talk about round 15, the preview. We're getting close to uh, to semifinals time, conference championships, but uh, let's break down each of these teams. New York traveling down to play Toronto in Atlanta. Let's hear some uh, some socks and some predictions. What do you think, Corbs? Uh, the, the slow death of Toronto most likely is going to continue. I think Rooney will have a big wake-up call. They need to keep winning. That East is going to be tight. Toronto have nothing to play for. I believe a lot of their Canadians will already be on the way for that game. From what I heard, a lot of the Canadians are going maybe a week earlier than some of the US players, but wait and see. So I, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough game for Toronto and I'm predicting a bonus point win for Rooney. When they played Atlanta down there, they carved up on that pitch. So I expect him to do the same. Rooney, can't disagree with Corbs. <laughs> Nola traveling to New England. The undefeated New England Free Jacks. What do you have for us, Hoadley? Uh, yeah, I've been writing uh, Nola off each week. So can I do it again? 
I think I have to here. New England are unbeaten at home. I'm going to look an idiot if Nola win, but I think uh, it's going to be a step too far. Uh, New England coming off a rest, I think, will be too strong. Yeah, I think... That won't be the first time... I think Free Jack's coming off the bye and uh, the emphasis to keep their sort of run of potential playoff hopes alive. This is two teams that are on very similar trajectories in that sort of third place in the East. And, and this might be a round where one now nudges ahead. And, and I think that's the Free Jacks. I think they'll be able to handle Nola's mall game where they like to take you on at the set piece. I think they've got the, the pack to do that. I think they've got creativity, a game plan uh, that can frustrate Nola. And, and I think they'll get the, the job done at home and keep to winning ways. Utah, hot Utah, traveling down to Houston. This one, I don't think there's going to be much disagreement. Corbs, quick questions. Who do you think is going to win this one? Team's name begins with U. It ends with H. It's the Utah. I just think uh, this is the this train keeps rolling. I I, I think I I just think that they are uh, have a spirit in the team. They've shown that rotation doesn't affect what you what you get with this team. And I think Utah uh, Houston are a team that are struggling at the moment. I think their attacking game plan. Um, they're probably going to try and kick a lot and get some of the same reward that they got against Atlanta by trying to keep Utah in their own half because I think Utah's physicality and attack and the set piece they bring when they get down to your sort of last. 30 is, is will be too much for too much for Houston but I just think Utah will still still have it I, I I can't see them slowing down yet even even when their players come I've got more faith in them continuing a run to the end because they seem to just building belief in that squad they can't mess up now can they not now oh, after they win last minute Seattle last minute uh was it Legion last minute um New York they can't mess this up it's got to be five points um, so yeah, I think uh, Utah continue on and uh, keep the keep the huge pressure on Austin to keep following them with five point win. The OGs DC traveling to Atlanta. This is going to be a big one. What uh, what are your thoughts, Corbs? I think Atlanta get the job done. I think they've uh, got too much at stake to be in this race. I think uh, didn't have their best performance a week before as well. So there'll probably be an uptick in performance from them. Obviously, Old Glory coming in off a bye week, I think will be fresh. But just th the fact that they don't have something to play for with the playoffs. And I think in the... The, the forward battle that Atlanta might, or the onslaught, I should call it, they might throw at them at set piece, might be too much for the OGs as well. But you never know. OGs like to play. They throw it around. Um, but I just feel like this is another win for Atlanta. Yeah, it's a big compliment to Atlanta, isn't it? That you, you know, you could see, you know, a team slipping up or you could see they're getting tired. Or, but with Atlanta, you're just like, they've got the formula. They're so well drilled. They know what they need to do. And you, you just see they're going to squeeze it out. They're going to squeeze the life out of uh, the OGs. Uh, and they should pick up the win, possibly with a bonus point. And they're at home. So, I mean, uh, it's not an easy place to travel down to and, and, and get, a, get a result. So, uh, good predictions. We got Austin coming out west to the Western Conference Big Showdown versus San Diego. Austin versus San Diego. Corbs, what are your thoughts? I'm going San Diego on this one. I, I know they've just had a bit of the juice taken out of them with the, the door shut, but I think just the fact that they'll want to 
you know, after that result, show something. They have the team. They're at home. I think they match up quite well against Austin as well in, in their game plan because I think they could take Austin on in that set piece. I think they'll win collisions. I think it has the potential to be similar where I didn't think Austin could handle Utah's physicality at times. It, it potentially could be similar if... Uh, Legion sort of, you know, control the game and do the things that we've seen them at times do um, and and ha- weren't really on show in, in that LA game. But also, I think, I contradict myself, but Austin could play a similar sort of style to LA and find a way to get the win. And they have something to play for. But I just I just have a feeling that San Diego, they, they, they're overdue a win and, and a second go at Torero that's got to be the one to get the W. Something to play for. Something. We're talking about playoffs, exactly. Corp. And this could be the game, Tom. We've got it all to play for. That upsets Utah it, and Austin. Uh, because I, we obviously think Utah are going to get it done. And, and Austin, I think, is a much harder task here. And, and this could be one where we see that sort of neck and neckness shift a little. This is definitely the banana skin of the week. Because the other games, you kind of like New York, you think, will beat Toronto. NOLA, uh, New, New England's a proper like playoff battle. Um, so there's no banana skin there. They're going head to head. Utah, uh, Houston is only a banana skin. Uh, Old Glory ATL is a banana skin, but this is this is different. You know, it's a banana skin, but probably a, a, a tighter contest. Um, yeah, I think San Diego will win this. I think um, they potentially could play with a bit more freedom. Potentially, there's less pressure on them, uh, and maybe maybe that helps them in this one. Um, but the AGs, again, they've been so efficient. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see. Uh, obviously, LA stifled San Diego. Can Austin do the same thing? Because they, they score a lot of tries, San Diego. So um, we'll see how they attack it. Maybe It may be a slightly different style of attack, I think. And they may, may, they may uh, you know, be very dangerous from all over the field. All right, both of you guys taking San Diego. Big calls for, uh, for a very desperate and hungry AG Nation. Todd's not happy. <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> hey, I'm not making Okay, I'll pick Seattle. <laughs> Just because me and Hoadley have agreed with everyone, I'm actually going to pick Austin because I do think San Diego picked up a key few injuries in that game against LA that might uh, hurt them more than we think. Last game of round 15 for the preview. We got LA travel Northwest to Seattle all the way up this is a big one it's an improving Seattle team it's top of the table LA Corbsy what you got I think it's going to be a competitive game I think Seattle will bring it I think they're just improving every week uh I think LA will get the job done but I think it will be quite closer than some people may be thinking competitive at times and but I still think LA have enough to go there and get the W and they have a game plan to deal with what Seattle will offer. But I just, you never know with Seattle because they are just getting better. They're so much better coached than they were at the beginning of the season when you actually start looking at some of the preview and what they're doing. And they've got, you know, some some decent players on the field and, and stuff. So, you know, I think it'll be, uh, uh, LA need to keep winning because of the pressure that Utah, Atlanta and everyone are putting on them in the table. So I think they'll have enough motivation to go there and put a good performance in to get the W. How about I say Seattle, lads? Go for just it, Just to mate. go against Corps. Let's go. I can't. It's LA. <laughs> what do you uh, What are you guys wagering? I like this. I like this neck and neck. You guys, uh, a, a oh, I mean, there's going to be some odds involved if I'm saying Seattle. I, what, I'll it give depends, you Seattle by uh, ten, if, mate. 
It depends if Yamada's practicing his scrum half passing in the uh, in training. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. That's not nice. <laughs> Lads, we've reviewed, we've previewed, we've broken it all down, we've talked the stories. You know what that means. It's time to wrap it up. That is a wrap on this week's round 14 MLR breakdown. For all of you listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, thank you. If you're watching on our YouTube or the Rugby Network, thank you. We really appreciate all the support. Keep checking our social media handles, which is at The American Rugby Show on Instagram, at The Am Rugby Show on Twitter. Like, favorite, share, retweet, comment. The engagements are growing. Our following is great. A quick shout out. It was great to see some of you at the game at the Torero saying we love the pod coming up to me and saying that Hoadley's king love Todd I got so much positive feedback and they obviously people wanted merch and stuff as well it was just really rewarding to see and I think um you know from our point of view merch will be coming for the diehards of this pod I think they obviously made it quite clear that they want some merch to show that they are American rugby showaholics and out there with us but from us that is everything from Rob Hoadley from Todd Clever thanks again and stay tuned for this week we'll be back with the State of the Union with a special interview guest. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.